As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey gang, what's up, Herd? Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. New episode, Kim Dragna joins us for the first time. She is going to try to take down one of the most quintessential comedies of the 80s, National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh boy. Jim Mandrinos, remember him? He came on earlier in the podcast to do Inception. Well, guess what? He's our co-host this week. Thank you for joining the best movie review slash movie debate podcast out there. Let's see if Kim and Dragna can indeed gut the sacred cow known as National Lampoon's Vacation. This booger-eating spaz makes me want to puke. Jim Mandrino's guest host, name that film. Oh, wow. Uh, No idea. You no clue. Really? I thought you may have a shot at this one. I, You know what? It's so familiar, but there's like a million movies from the 1980s just rolling around my brain right now. My guest today is Kim Adragna. Kim, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. I'm doing great. I'm doing uh, fantastic. We're almost here with the holiday season. How are you guys doing? Magically, Kim, do you know that quote, this booger eating spaz makes me want to puke? Um, ooh, I feel like it's a kid that says that. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe. What's, what's that baseball movie? I'm thinking of, uh, dang. Um, I can't I think, think of the movie. It's just, are- I feel like it's a baseball movie. Kim, your intuition serve you right, but I'd like to know which one if you if you figure out because there are a lot of kid baseball films. Um, it's the one uh, where you're killing me, small. No, it is not Sandlot. Damn. <laughs> the answer, Jim and Drino, so I thought you were to get this one is Bad News Bears. Ah, yeah, I I did not get it till uh till she, we uh, turned over to Kim. But yeah, that that was the original Bad News Bears. Yes, awesome. the, only, the only one that I identify. I don't identify the remake. Thank you. Welcome to <laughs> Gutting the Sacred Cow, the funniest movie debate slash movie review podcast out there where we give people with unpopular opinions a platform to discuss our most popular films. Thank you for listening and all of our guests to see if we disagree or agree why, why some of our beloved critically acclaimed or financial successful films May not be that great. No movie podcast is doing what we're doing, and we love that you love us. Kim Adragna, Jim Mandrinos. Kim has chosen a film kind of hot off the press. We did this uh, another one only a few months ago with Noodles from the Offspring taking on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. But Kim has one for the genesis, and that is National Lampoon's Vacation. Mm -hmm. 1983, a box office at the time. I'm sorry, a budget at the time of 15 million bucks, a box office haul of $61.4 million. Turn that into 2022 money, $42.1 million budget, box office 172.5. Not too bad. It's pretty good. Not too shabby. You guys are keeping poker faces. I love that. (laughs) IMDB, as we know, is a scale one through 10 with decimal places. Kim, what do you think that vacation is scored on the old IMDb? Um, I don't know if this counts because uh, I did I did some research. Ah, uh, then recuse yourself. Then recuse yourself, <laughs> Jim Andreas. Jim Andreas, what do you think? Since Kim already knows the answer. Uh, oh man, it's kind of beloved to uh, people from my generation. So I'm going to say seven point two. Well. 
Jim, since you know it, I think Jim is, uh, you guys are just right there, prices riding each other, 7.3. Woo! Ding, ding, ding. Wow, that's two <laughs> showcases times two. We've never had that happen. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, as we know, Jim Mandrino says, a scale one through 100. What did the critics Rotten Tomatoes score show for this film? Oh, I think critics would have torn it apart at probably 58, 59. Kim and Dragna? Um, I I feel like because it's somewhat beloved to people, it has to be in the 90s. So I'm going to go like 91. 93. Look at you. Okay. All Look right. at you. All right. Just two off. Not that bad. Not, Not bad, bad at all. Bad. You're Very awesome. All right. Well, let's go right to Kim for the audience Rotten Tomato score. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, to guess it. Please. Oh, man. Audience. Uh, around the same. You know, I like a little 90, bit more specificity when you 90, give a guess. I'm going to go. I'm going to say 91 again. I'm going to say 91. You? Jim. You know what? It, it's probably higher than I would have thought it to be, but I think it's still a lot of kids voting. I'm going to say 82. 85. Look at you guys. You're like two dogs sniffing each, sniffing each other's butts around there. That's pretty cute. It's uh, right around the uh, right around the, <laughs> the center. Quotes. I love this one. That's where you would sniff her. I love this one. Dad, these guys look like they know the Commodores. <laughs> Kids, you taking in all this plight? And of course, the perennial favorite. Excuse me, Holmes, can you tell me how to get back to the expressway? Fuck yo, mama. Roll them up. I'm going steady and I French kiss. Yeah, but everybody does. Yeah, but daddy says I'm the best. And of course... No vacation film would be hell, would, would be complete without Cousin Eddie. I don't know why they call this Hamburger Helper. It does quite well, quite well by itself. Kim, any quotes jumping out at you? I like none of them. <laughs> oh, any else from none the film that jumped out to you? Uh, I actually did write down uh, the one that you just said, which was when they visited the cousins. Yeah. And it was like, oh, but daddy thinks so that one right. that one i was like mm, i don't like that i don't like that one bit all right but that jumped out at me because you're from nebraska <laughs> that head <laughs> home yeah right <laughs> now my uh, new york self was like "Ooh, that's not cool man jim sorry Close. folks like the moose said the park's, park's closed, closed. every time every time it gets me doesn't miss does it no Love it. I was going to throw that one down, but I said, ah, I got to leave some meat on the bone for the guests. So let's just jump right into five fun facts. Anthony Michael Hall tried to make himself an on-set presence for a scene which his on-screen mother, played by Beverly D'Angelo, is naked for a shower sequence. In 2009, he told Maxim he was yanked away by a producer, quote, totally trying to sneak a peek. I believe it. I believe uh, a 15 year old boy kid would totally do that on the set, an 80 set. Yeah, I'm pretty 100%. sure a 45 year old kid would do the same thing, too. Like, is this <laughs> is this a closed set? Mm? I'm pretty sure that's the only reason why Chevy Chase took the film. Yeah, <laughs> probably scene, yeah. four times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Num number two mm. in the DVD commentary for this film, Chevy Chase said the nickname Sparky was none other than Beverly D'Angelo's idea because she effectually calls him Sparky Offset and it's decided to add it into the film. Oh, uh, of course she called him Sparky, you know, because they were just getting a little close. You know what I mean? Oh, don't I know it? <laughs> I Anthony feel like her, her creating a on onset uh, nickname. I don't know. I don't know right there. It's kind of wholesome and dirty at the same time. Oh, yeah, that's, were... that's a perfect way to say it, Jim. I wonder if he was a complete asshole to her as well as he's been, you know, consistently known to do so. Mm hmm. Yeah. Wasn't it uh, like I heard through the grapevines, a lot of people on like SNL, not specifically just SNL, but like I've heard through the grapevines and stories that like he wasn't the best. So no, I can only imagine like taking it from live going to like an actual set. 
he probably wasn't the best. Yeah, Bill Murray and him had a, uh, a very well-known tiff. Uh, let's go to fun fact number three. Anthony Michael Hall, who plays Rusty, was going through puberty during shooting. Why do you care? Well, because during principal, he was one height, and then they came back for reshoots. He was three inches taller, so he's different heights throughout the film. Oh, wow. That's kind of interesting. And fun, I bet you're going to say, too. Hence, fun facts. Kind of like... Tom Cruise with and without the lifts. Oh, I like to say apple crates. Hey, here's a Tom Cruise story. My brother's one of his best friends is in the <clears throat> Navy. He's down stationed in San Diego. He was in Maverick. He was standing in the bar scene and Cruise walks in, goes point, grabs like an AP and goes, who is that? And he says, the AP leans with my buddy's from my brother's friend. His name is Todd. He goes, uh, what's your name? He goes, it's Todd. He goes, tell Todd he's in my line of sight. And then he gave like a to Mississippi. He goes, Todd, can you move out of the way for Mr. Cruz? And my brother's friends then said, he goes, I almost said, that's impossible. I'm six foot one. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Hilarious. Number four, Harold Ramis had the film scene in St. Louis in mind, in which we referred to in the DVD commentary as, quote, the most politically incorrect sequence I've ever shot, added that it, quote, dehumanizes everyone involved. Very interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Most of this movie dehumanizes everyone involved. Yeah. yeah. That is kind of the theme of the movie. Number five in John Hughes' original script, Clark snaps upon arriving to Wally World, only to learn that the park is closed. And then the Griswolds drive to Rory Wally's house, hold, hold him hostage and his top, top executives, and then <laughs> made him dance and sing in front of the Griswold family. Oh my God. But was ultimately scrapped because it did not surprise play well in front of the test audiences. <laughs> Director Harold Ramis believed the ending didn't work because a movie promises to pr- builds the promise of seeing Wally World and audiences felt cheated out of that payoff. How about it just sucked that ending guys? Let's just go with the obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. And it's a now, much better ending. yeah, yeah, I think it, it it was a nice bow, but you know, it 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 it, uh, it punched that final card. It's John Candy on a roller coaster. What is bad about that? I want you to tell me where anything that John Candy in his bad period. Yeah, nothing. Thank not, you. That was a, tr- that was a trick right. question. Good for you, Jim. Let's ask our fans because they have questions for you, Kim, and that is, of course, our ask a gutter segment. Good old reliable himself, Brandon Oglesby at Newark Night. Chevy Chase is iconic. Should the Griswold family station wagon be considered a classic movie car, like the Mystery Machine from Scooby Doo or the Batmobile? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think they're in the same realm, to be quite honest. But I'm not going to totally exclude it from like if there was like a car show or something, and they're like, "Oh, this is the Griswold one." How are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to give the original, like, nice, polished, and shiny car, or are you going to do the beat-up car? You know what I'm yes. saying? There's, I'm like, not, a difference. Yeah. I'm not going to a car show unless I see it. It has honky lips spray-painted on the side like it does in the later part of the film. Uh, oh, no. Okay. I want dead grandma taped to the roof. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coke is not taped to the roof. It's yeah. not the Griswold movie. Yeah. And the leash for the dead dog attached to the back as well. How dare we forget that? Yeah. I this, like that. So we need we need the the dead end on top. We need the leash in the back, and then we need the spray paint, and then the no rims on the wheels. Yes, that's what we're going for. Okay. I, cool. I do have a question. I do have a problem with Brandon's question. Scooby Doo Mystery Machine, not a classic car in a. He said classic movie car. So I'm going to nitpick because there are a thousand other cars that are way more classic. Then the Matthew Lillard, Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Geller, Scooby Doo, two films. And also, if we're going to nitpick, please, it's a van. It's not oh, a car. Sure. Vehicle. And, and Vehicle. Uh, wouldn't we also want to take Christy Brinkley's car as a classic car? I would 100% agree with that. By the way, I'm not a car mm-hmm. guy by any stretch, so I'll defer. Is that the same Ferrari Magnum PI drove in? Sure I, looks it to me. Yeah, it does look similar, but right. I do not know for sure. Second half of his question, can you name a better road trip movie than this one? Oh, yeah, 100%. There's so many others. <laughs> um, is it Road Trip itself? <laughs> it's Yeah, it's Road Trip. 
it's no, <laughs> I would say if we're going to go and like stay in like the eighties realm, uh, it's another John Candy. He's in, he's involved, and it's planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, a gal after my own heart. I right? co-sign on that one. Uh, there are very bad road trip films. Like, ever see Rat Race? Oof, that's uh, yes. That's I have run. seen Rat Race. There is one that funny one? scene. There's one very funny scene, but other than that, it's a lot of yuck. I didn't see. I didn't mind that movie as much because there's just so much going on that it's like you can't be bored. Um. But I definitely that's definitely on the lower totem pole. Yeah. Like planes, I, trains, automobiles. That's like up here. Sure. Rat I think if you watch Rat Race sober, you're doing the film a disservice. That is a movie that you must be high <laughs> for right. while you're watching it. Otherwise, it makes no sense. I'll argue another one. I'm in the minority and I know that it's a mad, mad, mad world. Same kind of thing. Oh, that's definitely a better movie. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I wasn't crazy about a mad, mad, mad world. I've got. I don't know. I wasn't wasn't impressed, but I digress. See that I have to watch that. Yeah, no, I didn't see that. I should I should put that on my list. You could also go back to the original road movies, like Road to Morocco. Any any of the uh, Crosby Hope road movies are better road movies than this one. How about Indiana Jones and any of his expeditions? He goes country to country. Those are road trips. Yeah, technically, yeah, they are. At Rex Crumb, Beverly D'Angelo, an underrated hot movie mom. Fight me. No, sir, I don't need to because I fully agree with that statement. Yeah. Are you hang her? Stop no, I like it. her, but I didn't need to see all of that for like three or four times in the movie. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. It's there. I don't need to see it. I'm. I, I, you guys I, I, I could see it. I'm gonna disagree. I'm, I'm gonna. No, circle does not get the square. Jim and no. I are in full full <laughs> yeah. agreement. Well, of course you guys are. <laughs> hey, listen. That's probably ninety percent of why I, the the movie did so well. <laughs> I will say the pool scene better than the shower scene. Uh, why? Because it gives the tease. By the way, well, I'll give you a fun fact that did not make the cut. Christy Brinkley is not nude in that. She's wearing a bodysuit. She would not get yeah. nude. No. So. There is a fun fact. Next one uh, at Eric four nine five three. Of course, he loves. Sorry, folks, the park is closed. The moose out front should have told you. His question: When you get to the amusement park, do you park in the back to be the first ones out? No, no, me neither. I don't think so. I mean, like, I just park where I could find a spot. Like, if I could get somewhat closer to the end of the aisle. Like where it's a little bit easier to get out. Yes. But like if I could just find a spot for the most part nowadays, like they tell you where to park. So you really can't pick and choose where you want to go anyway. Yeah. Great. Unless you go like super, super early. Yeah. Great adventure is easy enough to get in and get out of. That's uh, that's for us. Jersey folks. It's not like you're going to a Jets game or a Giants game or no Yankees game where you need to be by the entrance because everyone's just hammered. I had in the old Yankee Stadium gym in the parking garage, and I had the perfect spot when they opened the door in the back when the game was over. It just zipped right out and behind the stadium. It ran parallel to River Avenue, and I don't park there anymore because I take the subway because I'm not paying 45 bucks to park for a space. No thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hear you. It's going to be 53 this year. Yeah, I'll continue taking the train. At Eric4953, arguably the best movie starring Chevy Chase. Does your criticism of Vacation come from hate of Chevy? Parentheses, Caddyshack is his best, but he's not the star. Eric, I was about to yell at you, but you decided to correct yourself in the nick of time. So, uh, Kim, does your hate of Vacation come from Chevy Chase? Yes or no? I know you're going to get into why later, but is this a main reason? I mean, it's part of a reason. I I will... As you know, I'll go into it and say, I like Three Amigos. He's great in Three Amigos, right? Um, but for some reason with this one, I, I don't think it's the best. I never, do not think. Never saw great. Three Amigos yet. It's still one that escapes me. <gasps> oh, you have to do to it. it. It's not, listen, let's cut the bullshit. It's not one of those films you have to say, stop what you're doing and no. go see Three Amigos. That's why I never got to it. So I'll. No, but it's definitely up there. Okay. Like, if you want to just like a fun comedy thing, I mean, you know, all right. Steve Martin's in it. So I, listen, Steve, the jerk, plane strains. We already said this <laughs> next uh, at Lord Snurts. He didn't watch it because an earthquake knocked out his power. No, pa- he locked out his power. No fun questions. He's doing fine, though. A bit bummed was on a roll yesterday with his questions. He was so 
Good to see Lord Snurt is okay. Back to Eric4953. Hey, Kim, why do you hate fun? I oh. invented fun. I enjoy the fun. This is not fun. This movie is not fun. So this podcast, absolutely fun. Yeah, I'm loving it. Spirit. But the movie, not so much. He uh, follows up with that question. Did you not like this because you had bad family trips? Oh, no. I had the best family trips. I would drive from. So I'm in New York, right? Mm -hmm. So I would drive from New York all the way to Florida and we would stop in between uh, sightsee, eat everything. I loved it. I had the best family trips. So, no, I had great family trips. Thank you very much. Did you stop at south of the border in South Carolina and pick up copious amounts of fireworks? No. You know what? That's right. A copious amount of that. Yeah. And like a burrito on the side, too. Every dude did. Jim <laughs> That's a his hand. Dig. Oh, yeah. 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 No, a- we always passed it. And like we never stopped. And I always wanted to. I thought it'd be like, oh, this is fun. But like we were on a mission. Like it was like a timed thing. We had to go past it. Like and it was like a known fact, like you don't need to stop there. Like it's either you stop oh, there because like it's disagree. like oh, south of the border border <laughs> like you have to. But I, one of these days I will just because I feel like I have to experience it. Look, it's but, not like the biggest ball of twine or that big dinosaur park in Pee Wee's Big Adventure bullshit. Like this is <laughs> legit. One of my favorite things to do to other comics in the 80s was when we get around there, make them go in there and eat the boiled peanuts, which have been the same boiled peanuts since about 1953, those things were not edible. I, uh, <laughs> not not I, familiar with those, but I'll take your word oh, for it. Oh, they're the most awful things that you have ever experienced in life. Do they have a bunch of like different food and like games in there? Like I never actually read up on yeah. what it. Yeah, what it's called do. it's called avoid horny methed out truckers. That's the main game. Oh. So maybe yeah. I shouldn't go? <laughs> no. Or maybe you should if that's your maybe, your your forte, my dear. Maybe, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe 2023 is the time to live. Hey, listen, COVID's almost <laughs> over. Kids get out there and live by going to truck rest stops and, you know, throwing it around, so guys. If you want to know what's happening there at a truck rest stop, Kevin would be a solid 7. They they'd be going for you. Jim, I'm a, I fancy myself at least a, an Omaha 8. So. An Omaha 8? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I think that, okay, and, and Eric follows up. Uh, he said <clears throat> Chevy Chase is overrated, but he was. this was written for a moron like him. Anthony Michael Hall was great, even though he aged two years by the end of the movie, and Beverly D'Angelo is sexy, and the straight man that chases over-the-top goofball. That is going to close it out for Ask a Gutter, so thank you all the fans for getting on the action and fun. And before we get to Kim... No one listens to the end of podcast, so why don't you guys tell us what you're up to so people can find you instead of ignoring the credits at the end of the show. Kim, <laughs> ladies first. Perfect. Um, so I'm Kim Adragna, y'all. If you haven't been listening for the last half an hour, um, you can find me on literally all social medias at Kim Adragna. Um, and then I also have a podcast called The Grindhouse Radio, where we talk about all pop culture um, and have a celeb guest that comes on every week. So The Grindhouse Radio on all social media and also me, like I said, Kim Adragna on all social media as well. Um, I do a lot of voiceover work, a lot of podcasting, hosting, all of that fun stuff. And uh, yeah, message me. It's it's cool chat. Yeah, it is. I'll vouch for that. Yeah. yeah. Jim Madrinos, my friend, what have you been up to? Tell the good uh, folks. Um, well, uh, my movie just finally got released. You can see it on Amazon Prime. It's called Gail's New Boyfriend. And eventually you'll be reviewing it, talking about how much you hate it. And that's perfectly <laughs> fine. That's kind of that's like uh, what you sign up for when you make a movie. Um, and uh, that's the big news that's been happening. So I've been basically on every podcast that I could get my hands on saying, watch the movie. Um you can find me on all social media, but most importantly, go watch Gail's new boyfriend on Amazon and Freebie uh, and soon to be coming to uh, uh, to Tubi as well. So go watch. Enjoy. Sweet. I uh, enjoyed our time on Amazon together. Hopefully they don't give yeah. you the short shrift and do it. They did before uh, virtually all the other programming. I know. I know. But um, it's not through my distribution company. It's actually through Green Apple distribution. So we went with a bigger distribution company to get a little more solid footing. That's just what we'll have to have a talk then when we're done. <laughs> Guttingthesacredcow.com. What can you find there? Holy hell, I'm glad you asked. You can find a pretty ass cool shirt like this and other hats, bats, bags, mugs, <laughs> cell phone holders, you name it, we're there. 
Uh, find us on all podcast platforms or YouTube. I don't care. If you want to advertise with us, of course, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. Or if you just want to say hi, hell. And boy, oh boy, do we love when you leave us five-star ratings with two or three-sentence reviews. I love to screenshot my favorites and put them on the old Instagram at guttingthesacredcowpodcast. And, of course, Twitter at GTSC Podcast. Jim Andrinos, help me welcome Kim to do what she's about to do, and that's gas up the old family truckster of hate and guts <laughs> the oh, sacred, sacred cow. cow. <laughs> Harmonious as hell. I love it. So is this the part where I'm totally going crazy now? This is the part where you're totally yes. going crazy now. Okay. So... Let me preface that I do love 80s movies, okay? We're going to put it out there. Like I said before, planes, trains, automobiles. We have Uncle Buck. We have The Outsiders, Beetlejuice, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, E.T., Dead Poet Society, and like a million others that are super amazing. But like you said earlier, uh, yeah, I, I think Chevy Chase is a little overrated, to be quite honest. And I'm sorry, Chevy, if you ever listen to this. I'm sorry, man. I just don't care for a lot of your works. Um, and I feel like a lot of movies that he's had weren't all that great. Like the ones that he's really known for is like National Lampoons, um, Caddyshack and maybe like Three Amigos. And then other than that, like he's done little things here and there and TV shows and commercials and maybe SNL. Right. But in terms of like we're just talking about movies, I don't know. I don't enjoy most of his movies. Um, now, for instance, he's for, I know we're not talking about like a lot of the national lampoons cause there's so many of them. Um, he's done three of them. And then, so I did a little research. There's four, three of them. four of them. Hold up. Wait. So there, so he's done four. Well, he's done four of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there was like one or two that was like from 2003 and 2015 that had nothing to do with him in them. Um, except for, I think the 2015 one where like Ed Helms and like Christina Applegate was in, but, um, you really only had two national lampoons that actually did really well. And that was the, according to people, this one, the national lampoons vacation and also the Christmas vacation, but his European vacation and his Vegas vacation did not do well on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, audiences, all that fun stuff. European vacation was a big seeming pile of brontosaurus shit it was poop yeah. i don't like i don't i just it's like one of those things where like i feel so bad saying it but like once i don't care for an actor and i hate saying that but like because i do voiceover work and i do some acting as well but for some reason there's just something that irks me about him so i don't really enjoy the rest of his movies right like the in, in like for instance i do like three amigos so i'm gonna give him that um But to really go into it, like, I really didn't enjoy this movie. Like, I feel like there was really no plot. It was just mini stops of them going on a vacation. And when they went on these mini stops, like nothing ever happened. Like there was really no real substance and there was like no fluidity. Um, I do like that. It was gimmicky and kind of funny, but it wasn't funny where I was like laughing, gut laughing for a comedy. Uh, it was more cringy than anything. And like, just I like hokey, but it wasn't hokey in the sense of like, oh, ha, like, I really like what they did, like super hokey that way. I just didn't care for it. Um, so I think people like this movie just because it's considered a classic and like they're forced to like it. And also when we said earlier, because Beverly D'Angelo had like three or four boob scenes. Right. OK, you guys agreed with that. That's probably why you liked it. Um, it helped. It it helped you guys. <laughs> Did not help me. It actually right. put it on the lower lower pole for me. Sure. Um, but I didn't care for it as much. And not saying like I haven't seen movies with that. There's some movies that are great, you know. But this one, it just didn't work for me. Um, I mean, there are plenty of like gross out gags and like dumb slapstick stuff. But I just like I said, I didn't laugh. Like I should be laughing. It's a comedy. I should be like gut laughing. Um. So really to like open it up, I'm going to go with it when he got the new car and it was being crushed. It was more annoying than funny to watch. Um, And like this kind of like just started showing that he was like an airhead 
because he went right to the car when it was crushed. Um, so like that was I just felt like it wasn't funny. Like it was just like, all right, he went to the car. Woo. Like they tried so hard being funny. Like, oh, I didn't notice it was being crushed. Wasn't funny. Another airheady moment was like the in the kitchen. They were cleaning the dirty dishes, but the yeah. dishes were still dirty. And he just kept putting it in the cabinets. And I'm like, yo, that is nasty. He said, I do not. Oh, turn, turn it up for one second. He said, he goes, that's by far my favorite scene that most people don't pick up on. Did he? Mm-hmm. Ha ha. Look at See? you. I pick up on things. I wrote and you said to bring some some notes and I brought notes. You sure did. Great job. Slightly, so far. slightly nitpick on things. Right. Sure. Um. So the dirty dishes, like you said, which that's really funny fact that you just mentioned. Um, another thing was in terms of the airheady moments, which there were a lot within the movie, he packed all his luggage and put it on top of the car and it all came crashing down. Like, you knew that was like, that's like a usual thing that happens. It's not anything new. We've seen that before in movies. Like they were definitely copying it off of another movie. So it wasn't original. So I wasn't amazed by that. Um, the next point that I have was they were singing in the car, right? The Wally World anthem or whatever. Mm. I'm all for hokey. I love singing. I love karaoke. I even love singing in the car. But for that, for some reason, it was just really cringe. And like they were like, it seemed like they were in the car for like two minutes on the road. And they, they were like, let's just start singing. It's like, no, be in like a fun, open field and start singing. You know what I mean? Like, don't be like, oh, I'm in New York City and I'm just going to start singing. No, like you're on a fun vacation start singing you know um then there was the gas station scene where he didn't know how to do the gas station and pulled off the license plate <laughs> then there was uh he slept at the wheel while sleeping like cinematically i was like all right like that was okay i didn't i, I was just like all right you slept at the wheel you didn't crash of course you didn't crash in the movie because then it would have ended you know <laughs> so i was like I was like, that's not cool. Like they could have thought of something different with that. Um, Then uh, and I was like, that's unrealistic. Then there were the numerous, numerous occasions of him completely flirting with this girl like three times. The red car lady, uh, which is what I call her. I don't know her name. Um, Christy Brinkley. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I forgot. Christy Brinkley. That that actually hurt my soul. Mine too. She's ubiquitous. I thought. I mean, Uh, no, I didn't know her character name. If she even that's what I meant. She didn't have one. It was like the woman woman in the car. I think she was called in the credits. But yeah. Okay, so that's why I called her like red red car. car. Woman in the red car. Perfect. Um. So there were several times like in the car they were looking at each other dancing while eating in a sandwich that was weird that had all dog pee on it um and then obviously the blatant one which is like being naked in a pool like the bit got old like i feel like there was no reason for her to even be there like it was just like okay why are you dancing with her like what is the whole point of this of showing up and whatnot? Like, are you, was the movie trying to have some kind of problematic thing happening between the husband and wife? Like it just didn't work out because in the end, you know, she was like, no, I'm not mad at you. And you're like, no, I wanted you to yell at each other. Like, what is that about? Like, that's not real life. Um, the other bit I thought was kind of funny was the second cousins, right? That was a little bit of funny, but it was definitely cringe too. talking about the whole comment with like the French kissing and the dad thing. But I will say Aunt Edna was a little funny as well. Then there was also um, the whole point of this, this whole road trip, right? Was because Clark Griswold and the family wanted to go on a trip, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole picnic scene where he was visibly not happy with his bologna and cheese sandwich, like, dude, you knew going on this road trip that you may have sandwiches in the car and your face was all upset. Like mm-mm. you want it to be rugged. You want it to go camping. You want it to do all that bit, um, which goes into the whole camp comfort thing where nothing happened there. It was like they just in this in this one scene, they just showed up the campsite smell, the dog bit their leg and then boom, it's the morning and it's like, let's leave like There was really like a lot of this movie is that this is what happens, but nothing substance and nothing of substance. I mean, really happens within these scenes. It's just like, woo, we're here at the Grand Canyon. Lovely. Next scene. And it's like, well, why did we see that? Like, there's no substance. Like you could have at least for this camp comfort said, 
oh, you know, maybe there's a problem with the canoes and they go swimming or there's a really competitive sports game that happens and something goes wrong, like something more of substance. Um, then there was the dead dog, which I love dogs. And I didn't think that was nice. Just saying I love my dogs. So to kill off a dog was not cool. Um, even though he's a bit of an asshole dog. Even though it was a bit of an asshole dog. Yeah, of course not. Like, damn, don't kill off a dog. That's like the worst part of any movie. You kill off a dog versus a person. They're like, no, why'd you kill the dog? They don't what, care about what, the what person. If Michael, what if Michael Vick had a ring of a dog fighting ring of dogs who had rabies and were attacking people? Would that be OK in your book? Um, That changes things. Hey, <laughs> as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Damn, but you had to bring Michael Vick into that. He's a piece of trash. Well, we all know that. <laughs> I just want to know where your line is. That's all. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, in that <laughs> case, if it's like rabies, is that treatable? Or is that like, oh, they got to be put down for that? You for, know? Do- for dogs, I don't know. I think right? it's a death sentence. I'm not a vet, obviously. I'm just a just a deadly, uh, handsome fellow who does a podcast. But no, the veterinary stuff not my uh, not my forte. Jim, any uh, animal knowledge about rabies <laughs> being a death sentence? No, I have no idea. Noted. All right. Damn. Uh, anyway, so then there was the car thing with the trespassing sign. Then he didn't walk along the path like he just went off into the the desert as if he was going to find it. Then they also arrived at Wallywood, which was also another trespassing. And they literally held the guy, security guy, at gunpoint. It's like, yo, like, that's crazy. What I will say, which was like the funniest part of the movie, was when John Candy was in it and they were in the theme park. But that was like the last five minutes of the movie. So like all in all, like, I feel like there were bits and pieces of this movie, like I said in the beginning, that wasn't fluid. The, the some scenes just didn't make sense. Like, I feel like they rushed it. I would have loved something more dramatic to happen. Like just because they crashed, crashed the car, it wasn't dramatic enough. Like, I feel like it would have been funny if they were camping out at night and then like they heard coyotes or something would have happened. Um, there was really, like I said, like no substance. And also he killed a dog. He was flirting with another woman, swam naked in the pool. One lady, right? Uh, he put his family in danger while sleeping. Um, he was obviously not reading uh, trespassing signs, right? He strapped uh, a dead aunt lady to the hood of his car in the rain, may I say. Um, he stole money from the hotel. Um, and then he's trespassed a theme park and then put a security guard at gunpoint. How dare he? <laughs> so bad. I feel like they were stretching. Um, I feel like there was too much hype of the movie. And I feel like just because it's a National Lampoon movie or maybe just because it's Chevy Chase that it got a lot of views. And I also will say, I feel like because, you know, there were like boob scenes in that. I don't know. Or maybe just because it was the 80s and people love that stuff. But I feel like it's just I don't know. The only thing I could say, I just don't care about Chevy Chase. And there was just just it was it just didn't work. It just didn't work. Give me a number one to ten. On me not liking it? Yes. Ooh. Uh I'll give it I'll give it a, fa- a four. 
Okay. Because there were certain things that I did think I liked and that were funny, but the rest of it, I was like, I could do without. So I'll be nice and I'll give it a four. Four. All right. I, I thought you're going to change your score again. Don't change it. Go with your gut. Jim Mendrinos, <laughs> wow. why don't you step in that batter's box and play the role of Derek Jeter and bat second? I, it, it's not a documentary. None of that stuff happened. No. They're all gags. Gags that were written by John Hughes. John Hughes, who's like 80s filmmaking royalty. Harold Ramis, you know, was the director. More 80s filmmaking royalty. Mm-hmm. Imogene Coca possibly you know one of the greatest american comedy actresses ever from your show shows and and literally a million other things from the 50s and 60s in her last major film role right. I, you know an early john candy you know makes an appearance of this and cherry chase at the height of who he was, and even Anthony Michael Hall. And- I actually, I actually disagree with you. Chevy Chase was going through a lull because he had a few bombs after foul play and needed this to resurrect his career. All right, but he, he was still immensely popular. He's still commanding seven million a picture in the eighties. What? Yeah, in the not that early. Oh yeah, seven million a picture in the eighties because he was still doing box office. It, this is coming up. This is, I believe, right after Fletch, which was a box office sleeper. B- before Fletch. This is before Fletch. This is before Fletch. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, this might have been the beginning of his, of his backup scale. But, you know, this is all comedy royalty that's here. Look, are some of the gags when you put 2022, you know, goggles on, are some of these gags trite and done? Yeah. Were they trite and done? In 85? No. 80s, you know, nor when this movie came out? Not at all. 82, no. 83. And yeah. by the way, Jim, you are, you're partially right. It says here on Google, on the Google, as every old person says, during the late 80s, when his career was at its height, he was getting $7 million a film. I, and uh, full disclosure, I I know Chevy. I like Chevy and I worked on his TV show. Um, oh. So, you know. Um, you did know. <laughs> yeah. Um, not, not defending the man because you either like or don't like somebody that's, we all in entertainment sign up for that. You like, or don't like me. Fine. I can't control that. You like it. Don't like my work. Fine. I can't control that. But I think what's unfair is judging, judging a movie through 2022 specs when you have to look, you know, the, the flirting with the woman, you know, in the red car, that's, you know, (laughs) That's basically what movies in the 80s were. I mean, are you going to chastise Breakfast Club? Because there's a couple of three or four really rapey type scenes in Breakfast Club. If you really boil it down, you can't judge by modern standards, you know, work that came out 35 years ago. I can't agree more with you. And I will say, because you brought brought up Breakfast Club, and here's a scene that irks me. And actually, Breakfast Club done on this very podcast. Remember all when they're sitting there smoking weed in detention? And then, I don't know, five minutes later, Emilio Estevez acts like he's on PCP and puts his hand through glass several times. Last time I checked, you don't do that when you're high as shit. So, <laughs> unless there's snacks on the other side of the glass, or you you're know? laced with PCP. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say, like, I love Breakfast Club. I have no problem with Breakfast Club. So, you know, when you're talking about the weird rapey scenes or whatever, like, yeah, I get it. Like, that's what they had in the movie, but the movie was still fun. You know what I mean? This one, I wasn't even alive for 85, so I can't look at it in that lens. But I have looked at several other movies that are from the 80s and are also hokey and have like weird, you know, nudity stuff or whatever. And I think they're hilarious. Just this one, I don't know. It just, it was more than just those bits and pieces. I was, I just felt like there was no real substance to it. I don't but I totally know what you mean by that, Jim. I, I don't you. think the point of this movie was substance. I think the point of this movie <laughs> was just mindless, frivolous just BS. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just gag after gag after gag. And remember, it's coming out at a time where National Lampoon's v, uh, uh, Animal House was mm-hmm. just before it. Um, mm-hmm. I, Porky's was right around the same time. Mm-hmm. It, there was a whole lot of movies that were just, let's just get a whole bunch of crude gags in there. I mean, Caddyshack is nothing but crude gag after crude gag. Right. And they all work. They were, it was a genre of, you know, plot be damned. I'm just going to do goofy, silly shit and let these 
fun actors do what they're doing. To a lesser degree, that's what the jerk was as well. You know, we mentioned that earlier in the podcast. Uh, look, look, do I think this is, you know, <laughs> do I think this is, you know, going up there against Casablanca or Citizen Kane? No, clearly it's not. But what this is, is this is mindless, frivolous comedy that's done pretty well. Imaging Coca in, in uh, that role in particular, of all the roles in that film, Imogene Kogan, what she did as, as the aunt was unbelievable. I don't even know who the actor was that did this, but the police officer that comes up to the car to tell them that he was been dragging the dog is one of the best straight men I have ever seen on film. You if, know? You, if you also reading this in the fun facts that didn't make the cut, the two of them are cracking each other up so hard. They are visibly like holding back laughter as that scene unfolds. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Literally <laughs> like watching a Carol Burnett sketch with Harvey Corman and Tim Conway. I mean, it, it's that it's it's that good. But I mean, everything in that is is just for what it is, you know. But if you go in there expecting a meal and you get cotton candy, it's going to be horrible. You know, but if you go in there expecting cotton candy, it's pretty decent cotton candy. You know, it's by no means great. It, it's no, no, not, not at all. <laughs> but no. it it it's every bit as good. Uh, and this is where Kevin will jump down my throat. It's every bit as good as a Caddyshack. It's every bit as good. By your goddamn tongue. As <laughs> a Fletch. It's every bit as good as a Dr. Detroit. You know, these are the films in that genre, and it's as good as them. Is it as good as Animal House? No, I think Animal House is, you know, head and shoulders above the rest in this category. But is it damn better than Porky's? Oh, hell yeah. Porky's is such an abortion. I have no idea. Look, it set the groundwork. We know that for all the American Pie stuff. Yeah. And the dick in the shower scene. Okay, great. But boy, it was just a one-note band that sucked. And I hated that film. I hate that film. <laughs> the funniest thing there was the portrait of Eisenhower laughing. That yeah, was, that was singularly good. the funniest thing in that the funniest gag in that movie. Yeah. But this is just a gag-driven film that that's basically a modernization of a Marx Brothers film. If I could get film school technical for a minute. Yeah, that's good. Film school technical. I love it. I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, you know, like I said, not a big fan of Chevy. I, I get you with the mean there wasn't supposed to be substance, but if there's no substance, I, there needs to be some kind of comedy. Like I don't, I, what I want to be laughing. I don't want to be like, "Hmm." you know, like I don't want to just be like, "Hmm, that was funny. I want to be like, ha, that was awesome. You know, and I didn't get that from this. Jim, give me a give me a scale one to ten on your on your opinion here. It's it's about an eight, but if you really want to go see a really good Chevy Chase film, go back to the Groove Tube. That's I saw that. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's a sketch movie with him and Belzer and a whole bunch of people that eventually became Saturday Night Live and SCTV. I thought you were going to say Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I was going to laugh my oh. balls off at you. <laughs> no, foul play because that that pairing worked so well. That's a movie where the two actors had no chemistry. Him and Goldie Hawn yeah. had nothing. Never saw it, no desire. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. Come check us out, see what we've got cooking over there. And, of course, we love five-star ratings, two- or three-sentence reviews, if you'd please. Notes! Holiday Road is a top ten movie song of all time, and I will kick you in the teeth if you disagree. God, that is one catchy-ass song. But if you want to go down Acid Trip Lane, go on YouTube when we're done here and watch the Holiday Road video. What happens that video? It takes place in a call center and then jail. Absolutely nothing to do with this film, a road trip, or fun for that matter. Huh. Eugene Levy's eyebrows are bigger than his Jufro in this film, which I thought was also impossible, but here we are. I've said, I've said in the American Pie episode we did, I want to see Eugene Levy's eyebrows in a Hell in a Cell match with Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. <laughs> We're going to start early with my favorite, That Doesn't Happen. I've never traded a car into a dealership that eventually got crushed into a cube. They, also, usually, they also yeah. drive them away and resell them instead yeah. of compact it. That was a bit excessive to go for a gag. You haven't lived until you plugged a computer game into the living room TV and had to change it to channel four. 
If you're over the age of 40, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Beverly D'Angelo, quite fetching back in the day. Too bad she sounds like someone dumped battery acid on her vocal cords. Have you heard her recently? Her and her, Damn. Her, 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 her and Kathleen Turner can spit chewing tobacco at least five to ten yards and call you a pussy when you fall way short of doing so. And you no. probably still like it. Yeah. Seeing Beverly D'Angelo in Entourage, I go, oh boy, oh, age sucks. No worse torture than when your parents take you on a road trip and channel their inner Sonny and Cher. And this is reason 325 why I'm father of the year. I don't take my family on road trips. We fly like adults. <laughs> uh, I, yes, I recognize the, hey, while you're down there and since your head is stuck in my lap while driving, I'll be happy to accept the BJ move that Chevy Chase did. Wink. <laughs> I still heartily chuckle when I see Honky Love spray painted on their car. How funny is that always gets me. And by the way, I think that would be great to do to cars that take up two spaces when parking a lot. Spray paint Honky Lips on their car just to show them what assholes they are. Uh, if you didn't... <laughs> This is for the guys. If you did not appreciate gratuitous nudity in the 80s and 90s films, you're just lying to yourselves. Bottom line. Beverly D'Angelo, that overbite not a, throws me off a little bit, but uh, did a, still did a ton of freeze framing as a kid and maybe as an adult too. That's uh, that's up for job. That's up for uh, discussion. Vibra beds in hotels, bygone era that need to be brought back post haste. When's the last time you had a a rendezvous and decided to throw a few quarters in a bed that shook. Been too long, right, folks? Tuesday. Jim, you go to the hotels on Route Tuesday. 1 and 9? In- <laughs> you go to the hotels on Route 1 and 9 in Newark? I'm just a lonely man is all I'm saying. Uh, anyone else throw up in their mouths when Ellen and Clark wrap themselves up in that motel blanket on the floor? I think their next stop on their cross-country vacation is finding a doctor who can write a prescription for topical scabies cream. Christy Brinkley, a true stunner back in the day as well. Now we know why Billy Joel willingly gave her half of his money. Fantastic to see Randy Quaid before he went full Jesse Ventura off the grid. Funny thing, uh, he was on, uh, sorry. His brother, Dennis Quaid, was on Adam Carolla, and they asked him, anything we don't want to talk about? He's like, yeah, don't ask me about my brother. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the writer smartened up with Christmas Vacation and gave Randy Quaid a larger role. He steals the goddamn show in that film and uh, as well as this film. His, too small of a part for him. He kills it. Nothing like eating a bologna sandwich and dancing while wearing a members-only jacket to attract a Vegas 10 while driving a Ferrari because it works every time. Right, ladies? <laughs> You'll catch me in a nine-person gay gangbang before you catch me camping on a campground. No, thank you. Hang out on vacation with people who are on the run from the long arm of the law? Nope, not in this person's lifetime. To your point, Kim, if Clark was just... For a second, pretend this. Able to bang Christy Brinkley, it's kind of hard to pull off when your wife, kids, and mother-in-law are hovering nearby. Also hard to pick up a woman of that stature when your breath stinks like dog piss. Yep. Let's do a let's do a count here. Don't you think with all the hijinks she encountered, you think Ellen Griswold would say, enough is enough, and divorce Clark by the middle of the European vacation movie? How much wacky shit can she tolerate before she starts finding her mailman mildly attractive? I'll let the dog being tied to the bumper slide. I'll let them ignoring all signs and taking a shortcut off the road into the desert slide. But I'll be goddamned if I'm forced to believe that a cash register can simply be opened by pounding the counter once. Where he steals the money? All right. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if Fonzie did it, that was also during Happy Days. That was a jukebox, but okay. But I see your point. Monday, Tuesday, happy days. The irony of Wally World owner, the Wally World owner looking exactly like Walt Disney is not lost upon me. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. I'm a big Disney person, so that that was great. 
I have some problems here. Uh, number one, how does John Candy's glasses not fall off of him when he's on the roller coaster rides? Mm. Mm-hmm. And while they're on the rides, who are operating the rides if he's the only one commandeered by the Griswolds? Yes. That, that ride would not be no stopping. Sense. Thank you. <laughs> makes no sense. We're looking for logic in, in, in an Animal House movie. I know. National Lampoon movie. We'll, we'll tie it together, Jen. To. Don't you worry. I have Don't. to. <laughs> but listen, this podcast has taught me a lot of things besides you know shenanigans and tomfoolery. John Hughes writes psychopath characters. They yes. are narcissists, sociopaths. Examples? More than happy to give you them. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the king of narcissists, sociopaths, and I still love the shit out of that film. I don't care. Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, the guy's a goddamn rapist, and people love Ducky. He's one of the five most annoying characters I would love to kick in his face if he ever was a person. That film stinks. I hate all the Molly Ringwald characters. I hate all the Molly Ringwald films. Nay, John Hughes writes nothing but with psychopaths. And then trying to bang a rando like Clark Griswold does on family vacation is something that Dennis Rodman wouldn't even do. He also he also shoots a security guard with a pellet gun because he feels entitled to a private tour with his family at Wally World. Again, falls under the same trappings as Christmas vacation. We're going to do this come hell or high water. We're going to go to the middle of nowhere and cut this big-ass tree down because, you know... Yeah, like a tree can fit on the top of a, a Mercury Sable station wagon, right? Look, the problem with this film is that the same as Christmas Vacation, there are is a lot, a lot of lag time between jokes. There are good jokes. Christmas Vacation has more voids with the jokes. I can argue that there are maybe four or five laughable moments in Christmas Vacation until Cousin Eddie comes in the mix, then it's then then it gets good. This has more laughable moments but they aren't as fast-paced and frenetic as I want in my comedies. I'm not saying it has to be an airplane, naked gun, kind of rapid fire. I mean, that's the pinnacle for that. There are moments, but they're not enough like, ah, this shit is, this is a super quotable film, though. I, I mean, I ripped off five. I could have ripped off ten yeah. easily. Cousin Eddie steals the show. I wish he had more time, screen time in this one like he did for the second one. I This is my, this is my favorite Audrey-Rusty combo. I'm a... I'm a I'm a fan of uh, AMH and the other gal. I forgot her name. Beverly D'Angelo, fantastic. Film is insanely quotable, like I said. Is it holding up as nearly as great as I loved it as a kid, teenager? It is not. I will rewatch it a few more times in my lifetime. Is it deserving of classic status? I don't know anymore. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. But I give it a 6 out of 10. Still amusing. Still, it's that w- pair of comfortable slippers you put on if you... This is a per- this is a remote test one. Uh, uh, Kim, the remote test is simple. At any point, if you stumbled on cable, do you drop the remote and go, My, I know what I'm doing for the next half hour, 45, hour and a half, whatever. With this film, it depends where I catch it. Some other films, Caddyshack, Naked Gun, Airplane, other comedies like that, absolutely. This, ah, if it catches me in the right spot, yeah. But not overall. Six out of ten. Let's go with those elbow patch assholes who you who bloviate and use 18 syllable words when one could do. Critics five star reviews. Half baked but occasionally hilarious. National Lampoon's Vacation gets a reasonable amount of mileage out of depicting the disaster prone journey of a quote unquote typical family of four, the Griswolds of suburban Chicago. That is a Christmas cookie cutter review if I ever read one, folks. Mm. Next one, family, sorry, funny family comedy, but dated and risque. Hmm. A zany, lighthearted look at numbskull American tourism at its most chaotic. Oh, is that someone who's going to try and wax poetic about soccer? Despite plenty of gross-out gags and dumb slapstick bits, the careful viewer can occasionally detect some acrid and original satire in this 1983 film. This boasts a great cast from start to finish, but the funniest moments in this film, for me, come invariably from Randy Quaid, who plays Chase's dumb country cousin. Critics, one-star reviews. The result is not so much a comedy about American values as a 2,500-mile skid on a banana skin. That's a metaphor. Visual gags come thick and fast and are about as subtly signposted as the exit markers on a freeway. Oh, trying to work those jokes in, you lit majors. Good for you. 
It's a pleasant diversion with a few memorable bits and a likable cast, but true comic invention is hard to locate in the meandering screenplay by the late John Hughes. Vacation is missing a sense of direction. With Harold Ramis in the driver's seat, it veers off course and sputters down a bumpy road. I was waiting for this reviewer to end the sentence with, yeah, someone should have called AAA in this movie, huh? 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 There are two, maybe three, good gags in National Lampoon's Vacation, which is otherwise poorly paced, sloppily put together, and full of inept, ill-conceived performances. Amazon five-star reviews. Bought this to teach the kids the meaning of Wally World is Closed reference. Great movie that stands the test of time. A must-see. Does Disney World or Florida ever close, though? No. So this guy painted himself into a corner. Right, Kim? Right. This movie has always been my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> they consider this a Christmas movie? I guess Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Or Police Academy 4 is a Christmas movie. Just make sure you have your remote ready to freeze frame shower scene. Ellen, Beverly D'Angelo, moves quickly. Funny how you thought when I was a kid I thought her tits were huge. They're still fantastic though. Oh yeah. And you also get to see Christy Brinkley stripped down in an outdoor motel pool and invite Clark in. Personally, I would have asked her if we could go somewhere a little less public and then I would have gone to town on her. Maybe the best smile in the history of the universe Ms. Brinkley has. She's still freaking hot and like 70. Signed, Stifler from American Pie. He has about as much chance as Stifler did. Yeah. <laughs> My husband has never seen this, so I paid the $3.99 to rent this via Amazon Video. Nothing but the best for my hubby, LOL. It was really fun to watch with someone who has never seen it before. He laughed and laughed. Back in the 60s, my dad took us on family vacations that were similar to the events of this title. Dad would pull into a gas station. The attendant would come running out to our station wagon. Dad would take a look at the price of indicated on the gas pump, make a loud comment about the price being high, and drove off. The attendant would be left standing there, holding the gas nozzle, giving us a dirty look. Us kids would moan and duck down in the back seat. Good times. This person's dad sounds like they would give their kids a Hess truck for Christmas every year and think that he won Dad of the Year award. <laughs> Just a feel-good funny movie. Love it every time I see it. A couple of things to know. There were a couple of boobs seen here a, a couple of times. Minor drugs mentioned by minors. A few scattered GDs. That's goddamns for those of you not fluent in Amazon reviews. Which were the most offensive. A few other scattered cuss words. By the way, this never ceases to amaze me when these troglodyte Bible thumpers focus on the curse words instead of the film and they forget to check the movie's rating. What's a review of Showgirls going to look like, Jim? Too much sex, boobs, gratuitous sex, bad acting, foul language. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, the play was great. They wouldn't even comment on that. You know, just screw her having sex in the pool. Did yeah. you hear her say fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Jesse Spano has a potty mouth. One star. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon one star reviews. The last time I saw this movie was probably in the late 80s on cable TV, and I thought it was hysterical. Watching it now as an adult makes me realize just how bad my taste was as a kid. The laughs are very few and extremely far in between, and rely on crude toilet humor. Literally, when the dog pees on the sandwiches. Is that really toilet humor? It's a. Eh. I mean, shit jokes are, we know that, but this is just, ah, the dog peed the picnic, whatever. We're gonna I mean, technically again. it's toilet because he peed, right? Right. I'm joking. No. <laughs> Chevy Chase is not funny here, and he just comes off as an annoying jerk and a lousy husband. I was surprised how much sexism was in the movie, as I didn't remember it at all. The unbelievable speed at which Clark decides to cheat on his wife with a gorgeous stranger is matched only by the unlikelihood that a paunchy, middle-aged man clearly traveling with his wife and kids would actually be attractive to Christy Brinkley. I'm not averse to nudity, but the constant flashing of Beverly D'Angelo's tits in this was off-putting. Perhaps they were overcompensating for Brinkley's lack of nudity. I don't know, but it seemed unnecessary. Maybe that's what got Al Pacino attracted to her in this film. You never know. He married, dated her for a while. I have watched this film several times, so when my grandsons watched it, I wanted to rent this, and to my surprise, this version had nudity and, the f and foul language, the F word was used so often. Not appropriate to watch with children, and I had no idea there were two versions of this movie. Does she think, or he think, that the TV version is a real version? Yeah. 
Man. Do you know how many people still think that? Yeah. Can I have the Channel 2 version, please? Not that rated R bullshit. That's crazy. That's crazy. I'm too old for this movie, 73. However, I have a very good adult sense of humor. This isn't even up to hangover type puerile humor. Very few laughable mo moments. By the way, Jim is comics. We know anyone who ever says they have a great sense of humor doesn't um, have a good sense of humor. No sense of humor. Next one. Whatever. Just okay. Signed, the dude from Big Lebowski. <laughs> That's somebody who fist bumps his parents. Yeah. And then oh blows God. up and goes, am I right? Yeah. Jim. <laughs> last, last one. The modern one was better. No, it wasn't. The modern one was trash. Cut the bullshit. Jim Mendrinos, did Kim Adragna gut the sacred cow? I, I believe she did. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with her assessment. I still think, you know, I, I see every one of her points, and I don't care. It's still a great movie to me. So then she didn't gut the sacred yeah, cow. She couldn't. She couldn't move the needle on your score. See, that's a true sign. You're, yeah. if you're saying she makes good points, but I don't give a fuck. And yeah, then I guess she doesn't. But oh. I, I, I see the points as opposed to the last time I was on here, and I did not see any of the points you guys made. They tried to convince <laughs> me that Inception was a good movie. No, I said it, oh. it. It ratcheted down a few after the recent rewatch. That's what you showed me with that. Oh uh, yeah, I did. Well, okay. Yeah, I wasn't defending yeah. as much as I used to. I said before yeah. we watched, before we rewatched, I go, oh, that's great. Rewatch it, I go, it's not great. So it's not even good. Wait, yeah. so were you for Inception or not for Inception? I, I was anti Inception. Anti they were okay. for Inception. Well, we gotcha. were until we rewatched them, and then yeah. now we're like, eh, no. No, like, no. <laughs> it didn't hold up. Everybody, this has been fun. Jim Mendrino, guys, remember him from Comics Watching Comics? You may see that in the Facebook metaverse in the near future. Give Ooh. that a looky, Lou. Kim Adragna, we loved having you on. You can check her out on iHeartRadio with all her podcasts. Kevin Goatee, don't forget Fantasy Football Jibber Jabber, also in the metaverse. Give that a looky, Lou. And Gutting the Sacred Cow, thanks again, everybody. Love you to pieces. We'll see you next week. Take care. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.